You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us for another episode. We'd like to encourage you, if this is your first time listening, that you would uh, stay with us for a little while and hope you enjoy what you hear. And if you do, I'd ask you to consider subscribing and downloading our episodes on a regular basis. We release episodes and new content every week on Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so you can go to any of the podcast applications, hit that subscribe and download button, and those episodes will come directly to your mobile device uh, each and every week as we release those. I'd also remind everyone that you can go over to our Facebook page. We have episodes posted there as well. gives you an opportunity to like and to share those with your friends. And uh, what we always tell you to do always ask for is to please tell friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, um, everybody that you can. We need word of mouth to spread um, what we're doing here. And that way we can have more people listening, more people getting into God's word and studying along with us. And so uh, please do those three things. Download, subscribe, uh, like and follow and tell a friend. Well, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into our, our, our topic today. Uh, we are going to be entering into it. This is week four of our series, Rejoice Always, where we're looking at the study uh, through the book of Philippians. And so we're going to be picking up where we left off, finishing up chapter two this week. In our last episode, we discussed um, that there must have been some friction or disagreement in the church at Philippi um, that, that Paul learned of when Epaphroditus came over. And so he wanted to address that, and he was concerned about the unity of the church. And so he proposed a solution to them, and that solution was humility. And then Paul just didn't stop there. He went ahead and gave them the, the principles of, of humility, said, here's what humility looks like. And he took it even a step further, and he gave an example, the best example available he used Jesus. Uh, Jesus was and still is the ultimate example of what it means to be um, to, to show humility, and so and to give us an example of what humility looks like. In, in so many words, Dad, uh, Paul was saying, "Be like Jesus, imitate Christ." Right. That, that's what was his message there in the first part of uh, of chapter two. And now, as we move into the second half of chapter two, Paul continues this theme. And he begins uh, by calling us to pursue uh, Christ and to pursue Christ-like a living. And as a result, um, it will yield joy in your life. And so that's mm-hmm. what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to dive into the scripture and just go ahead and jump in it. So we're going to start at verse 12 today. And so I'd encourage you, if you got your Bibles, open them up with us. And let's read in God's Word, starting Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And we're just going to read the first couple verses here to start. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so that's where we're going to stop and kind of start. And if you're reading that, you may have to read it twice, because I did. And if you're, you're, you're looking at it, you may say, well, wait a minute, there, there seems to be some contradiction here in verse 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you may go as far to say is there's a blatant paradox. And so, Dad, I got to thinking about paradox and what, what does that mean? And so I went to someone smarter than myself uh, and I looked up the definition of paradox and mm-hmm. paradox can be defined as a self-contradicting statement. Mm-hmm. And so give you some examples of paradoxes. Here's a, here's a few to, to consider. One is... If I know one thing, it's that I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Think about that one. 
Or the second one here is, deep down, you're really shallow. Mm. Yeah. The third one is, nobody goes to that restaurant because it's too crowded. Mm-hmm. Which is it? Is it nobody there or is it crowded? So those are examples of paradox. And we and we see these uh, statements here in verse 12 and 13. We see that Paul says, hey, work out your salvation for it's God who is working in us. And you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, Paul, what is it? Is it God or is it man? Mm-hmm. Well, the short answer, listeners, is that it's both. And let's unpack these verses, and we'll get into it in a little bit more uh, detail here. You know, these verses, Dad, as I was studying, and I was reading behind other commentary and, and, and trying to study, I found that these verses are really speaking to the process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. And I saw where some theologians uh, go as far to say that these verses make up one of the most important passages in all the Bible about the process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. And so they really say that this is something we need to pay attention to. And as I was thinking about it, you know, I thought about sanctification. We've talked about it a couple of times in our podcast, but I believe it's heavily misunderstood by many mm-hmm. Christians today, what, what sanctification is. That's right. And so, you know, what I said, you know, we're going to do is we're going to come back and on one of our doctrinal doses, mm-hmm. we're going to cover sanctification in whole. Right. That way we can give the full explanation of, of what sanctification is for our listeners. So be on the lookout, listeners. We'll be coming up to that soon, and we'll take a deep dive into sanctification. But for the purposes of our episode today, I want to use my working definition of sanctification. And the, the working definition that I use is sanctification is the process by which a Christian becomes changed and conformed to be more like Christ. Right. That is the my simple definition. It's much, much more complicated than that, but that's what I want us to use at least for the basis of our conversation today as we as we study in and to God's word here. So with that definition in mind, let's look at Paul's sanctification paradox, as we'll call it. Yeah. Okay? okay. So there's two statements here, Dad, that seem to contradict itself. The first one is that we are to work out your own salvation, or it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, listeners, we got to be very careful here. We, we have to be very careful as we interpret this. Paul is not saying that we need to work for our salvation. That's right. God has already worked out everything with salvation and made it possible. Uh, there's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. We have no part in, in the reconciliation work that's done of salvation. That's all through the blood of Jesus, and that was all taken care of at Calvary. So what does Paul mean then there? Mm-hmm. Well, as I was studying data, I saw that, Really, the the terms here, as you look at it in Greek, that phrase that he used, work out, is is closely related to miners. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, you know, miners, they go deep into the ground, deep into the earth, and they, they dig and they prod and they reveal the riches of a mine and they bring it to life. That's right. And so, really, that's what Paul is telling us to do, is, is saying, likewise, as Christians, uh, we are, are following the gift of salvation. We should do the work of mining our lives so that the riches of God's mercy and grace can be brought to light. That's right. You know, uh, Paul saw, as you mentioned, the believer like a mine that has a tremendous potential with rich jewels embedded in the walls. But, like with the mine, the spiritual gift or gifts that the believer possesses will not serve others or benefit others until they're discovered and brought to the surface and used. So in the process of living for the Lord, God has given us a spiritual gift or gifts that he wants us to use to incorporate in the work of the church. Do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? 
If so, are you using them? And if the answer is no, then you're failing to work out your salvation, meaning that you're not doing what the Lord intended for you to do when he saved you, and thus you are not uh, activating or fulfilling the potential that God has given you. And you mentioned that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's use of the word fear refers to holy fear that trembles at the thought of missing out on being the people that God wants us to be. Now, you need to remember, folks, Romans fourteen twelve says, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. And, and what are we going to give an account for? Our lives, our gifts, our talents, our potential. You see, when God saved us, he saved us uh, that we're not saved by works, but we're saved for good works. He wants us to do what he saved us for. That's exactly right. You know, Dad, as you were saying that, it came to my mind, there's three T's that, that I always think about is time, talent, and treasure. Right. Those are the, the three T's that really God wants us to use. We've got all got time. We've all been given some type of talent. You use the term gift. There's a mm-hmm. spiritual gift that all of us have been given. Some of us is to teach. Some of us is to sing. Some of us is to, to be encouragers. It can be various different things. And natural abilities. Nat, yep, nat, natural uh, abilities we there can have. Mm-hmm. that we can have, and then we we all have treasures, and, and that that's our you know our, our financial means, and th- that doesn't mean that you're rich by any stretch of the imagination. You can use what God gave you though to still make a difference uh, for His kingdom. Right. And so, if you're listening, you're saying to yourself, "Okay, so I, I, I've been saved, but now I'm supposed to do the, this work to figure out what my talents are and put those talents to use and make sure that I'm bringing again those riches of salvation out in my life." Well, how in the world do I do that? I just I don't think I can. I don't even know where to start. Well, my friend, that's where the second statement of the paradox comes in. So let's look at the second statement here, and that statement is in verse. 13, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasures. So dad, I like the way the the new living translation puts it. They put it this way. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I I like the way that says that there. So, you know, if you're a born again Christian, the good news is God is working in you. And God's not just working in you. His very spirit is living in you as well. At the moment that you were saved, I love this statement here, Dad. Hell was kicked out and heaven moved in. Mm -hmm. And now you have the indwelling of God's spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it, it is he that is your power source in Christian living. He gives you the power to desire and to do the things of God. The Holy Spirit will guide you, will direct you. The Holy Spirit will be the one that will help you understand what it is that God's called you to do. What are those talents? What are those things that you've been given? And so I, I know what you may be thinking here. You're saying, okay, so this is good. It's basically, it's like being on autopilot on a plane, right? I just sit back and everything's going to be taken care of. No, no, no. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. You have a role in this process. Again, That we go back to verse 12. You've got to do the work. And so what is that work, Dad? The way that I saw it is I said, you know what? The Holy Spirit's working in us, and it's providing the power. He's providing the power for us to do the things that we need to do. But we have to be willing to surrender to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be willing to seek the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to obey the Holy Spirit. And then we must act on the direction provided by the Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. You know, as you mentioned, God works through us through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And 
that Greek word translated work, where it says, for it is God who works, is the word from which we get our English word energy or energize. It is through the Holy Spirit that God energizes or stimulates us to use our spiritual gifts and our natural abilities and talents and to live up to our potential in Christ. Now, God's power is released in our lives by several simple steps. Number one, profession. You know, we we have to publicly profess Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we belong to Him, for His power is only available to His children. Involvement. You know, as you get uh, involved in a church, and God speaks through other people to encourage, to bring out those gifts that maybe God allows other people to see in you, uh, prayer, the study of the Word that goes hand in hand together. And just by actively getting involved in service, uh, that's one way that God can uh, can work in you and make, a, make aware in you uh, what He wants you to do with your life and how he, how he saved you to use you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so we see in, in this paradox or the, the assumed paradox or presumed paradox is that, that we need to work for God and God is going to work in us. And it's those two that come together to make this this work. And so what we actually see that what looked to be a paradox turns out to not be a paradox at all. In fact, there's no self-conflicting statement here. No, no, no. This is actually a very key biblical truth that there is a divine balance that exists where man's human responsibility is blended with God's divine resources. And so God doesn't do it 100%. It needs We need to come alongside and we need to put forth our effort as well mm-hmm. in order to accomplish what God wants to do in our life. Right. And so, Dad, uh, that's our, our first two scriptures here. Let's keep diving in a little bit deeper. Let's look at verses 14 through 16 here. And I'm going to read those for us. Um, starting in verse 14, it says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not ran in vain or labored in vain. So, Dad, I'm going to just jump right to my point here that I had for this particular section. In these verses, we see clearly Paul tells us what our purpose is. The purpose of the Christian life is that we are to be light bearers. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to take the light of Christ and shine it as far as we possibly can right. to those around us. We're supposed to be lighthouses, beams of light shining for God. I heard it said one time that really Christians are meant to be mirrors, and as God's light shines on us and through us, we reflect His light so that others can see. I like that. I like that explanation there. Mm-hmm. Are you being a mirror, Christian? Are you letting God's light shine through you? Are you reflecting His light to the world? Just want you to think about that. Dad, as I was looking at this, um, I see where Paul gives us some advice. He gives us kind of two things that I that I broke down into two things, rather. Um, he gives two statements I saw. He said, be different and be ready. Mm-hmm. Okay? And under be different, he says, no complaining, no disputing. Those were the two things that he told us to do. And that we should be blameless and harmless. And so let's unpack those a little bit. So obviously no complaining. We understand what that means, that we are supposed to be serving and not making noise about it, not 
uh, disputing. So when we're working with other Christians, we shouldn't be arguing and, 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 and carrying on, which I really feel like this was probably a, a reference to the, the, the friction that was in the church at Philippi, right. is maybe there was some disputing going on between the believers there. Or maybe there were some complainers saying, you know what, we're going out and doing all this mission work, but it, it's hard. Why are we doing all this? You right. know? Yeah. And and he said, don't be doing that. And and the reason why we don't want to do it is we want to be blameless. Blameless means to be above reproach, and we want to be harmless. The term harmless there comes from Greek that really means pure or unmixed. And so what he's telling us here is that we should look different. We should be different than the world, mm-hmm. because the world— they're awful good at complaining. There's a whole lot of disputing in the world, and it's hard to find someone who's blameless and harmless in the world, and so Christians are to be different. All right. That's right, Matt. You know, verse 12, which we looked at just a few moments ago, it has to do with action, but verse 14 has to do with attitude, where Paul told us uh, to do all things without complaining and disputing. Complaining, folks, is a bad attitude, and can become a bad habit. A large family sat around a table for breakfast one morning. As the custom was, the father returned thanks, blessing God for the food. Immediately afterward, however, as was his habit, he began to grumble and complain about hard times, the poor quality of the food that he was forced to eat, the way it was cooked, and much more. His little daughter interrupted him, saying, Father, do you suppose God heard what you said a little while ago. Well, certainly, replied the father with a confident air. The little girl went on to say, well, did he hear what you said about the bacon and the coffee? Of course, replied the father. Then in all sincerity, the little girl looked up to him and asked, then father, which did God believe? (laughs) Are you in the habit of complaining? Be grateful, be content. What do you call complaining about others. Complaining about others is called criticizing. A certain man was in the habit when anyone came into his shop of telling some wrong a Christian brother had done. One day, an older Christian gentleman went into the shop. The man started in criticizing people, telling what they had done. The old deacon stood a few moments and listened, then quietly asked the man if he had read the story in the Bible about the rich man and Lazarus. Yes, many times. And what of it? said the man. Well, the older deacon and gentleman said, you remember about the dogs, how they came and licked the sores of Lazarus? Yes. Well, you just remind me of those dogs content to merely lick people's sores. Mm. That's a good good illustration there, Dad. So he says, be different. So no complaining. Again, no disputing, no arguing with your, your fellow Christian or really anybody. And then the second thing that he says here, if you look at the first part of verse 16, it says, holding fast to the word of life. And I took that as be ready. Holding fast to the word of life. I had to dive into what that phrase meant there because I wasn't exactly sure. Because many times, you know, Jesus is referred to as the living word. Um, but the, the Greek text that was used here is not logos, which is the living word, God, or Jesus. Um, but instead, this is referring to the gospel, the good news. And he says, holding fast. And so basically what Paul is saying here is you need to be ready 
to share the gospel at any moment's notice. Mm -hmm. You need to be living your life in such a way that you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel and that you can be ready to to give an testament to what God's done at any moment in time. Now, I want you to think about this, is what this is saying is, and he just got through telling us no complaining, no no, uh, disputing. Paul's saying people are watching you, and if you're not careful, your actions or your attitude, Dad, that you use the attitude there, mm-hmm. um, can get you in a position where you're not able to give your testimony. And I'll give you the example, guys. You go out maybe to uh, the store somewhere, and you know you're in this long line, and the person in front of you's got a hundred groceries, and you've just got two items, and you know you sit there for or stand there for twenty minutes, and and by the time you get there up to the cash register, you're just already upset, and then the cash register, she can't get the register to work. And in those situations, it's really easy out of frustration and anger just to be kind of mean and have a mean spirit about you. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do that, what's to say that the person behind you is not that person that you were supposed to be holding fast to the word of life? That mm-hmm. You can't be mean to this cash register and then turn around to the person behind you and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. You need to always be in a manner of which you're keeping your personal conduct, the way that you behave, the way that you're out, in a a manner by which you are ready to present the gospel and that you're keeping your testimony clean. Right. And and that's so important. You know, we can't live uh, one way uh, in the church house and then think when we go outside of the walls of the church, we can do something different because people are still watching. And that's our testimony that's on the line. And we need to be ready to share at a moment's notice. I tell you what, I got a good lesson the lord reminded me of this just a week ago i was at the bank and i went up to make a deposit and uh, the lady asked me to show my driver's license and that's not typical of the bank because i like a small town bank they know me i know them i like the ladies that work there they know who i am and i said ma'am do you know me she said i know you and i was thinking well i really don't know you but you know me and uh so when i grudgingly, uh, I was not having a good day. I just kind of got released from the, the doctor from having surgery, you know. Yep. It was not a, and it, my first really day out, and I didn't feel good. And so that's not a good time to be going out among people when you physically don't feel good. <laughs> so so anyway, I gradually got out my license. and But my, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to lose my license. It just come to my mind, I'm going to lose my license. And so uh, the bank was already going through a lot of trials anyway i mean uh, two banks merged into one double the customers uh etc etc so but i thought i'm gonna lose my license and so i i left you know kind of feeling so uh, aggravated and then i got out of my car and i couldn't find my driver's license well i have a habit of being the last person in the bank <laughs> and so i went to the door doors already locked i knocked on the door and i said hey my my driver's license has got to be in there i don't have them no we give them to you and so I said, all right. Now, I spent 45 minutes in the parking lot looking for my driver's license. I knocked on the door again. I, this time I rapped a little harder. And I said, they've got to be in there because I don't have them. We give them to you. And so I just so frustrated. And I know I let, I let it, it come out, and I'm sorry about that. But I went on to a restaurant to pick up some food, and I was listening to a Southern Gospel radio station. And there is a Southern Gospel song that, that's played, and the words are, live what you're preaching. And that came on, you know, as I was getting ready to get out of the car. And I said, I got it, God. Uh, I got it, God. You know, things like that can happen. And it can happen to the best of Christians, you know. Uh, 
like I said, you you can feel bad. You can have a you can be sick, and you can go out, and before you realize it, that 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 feeling bad transfers over to a bad attitude where mm-hmm. you're at. You know, God can forgive you, sure, but but what you've been talking about, and and what Lord allowed me to see is that you know when you you have days when you feel bad, all the more reason to be more cautious. Exactly. And, you know, I think it's real easy for us to get in the mode of just doing life. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about the fact that, that you know, we are meant to be light and we're meant to be salt, you know, uh, as Christians in this world. And, and you just, you're going about your business, doing the tasks that you need to do. And it's really easy for you to, to get to a point where, you know, you just, you're not thinking that there are people watching. And it, it really helps me to keep in my mind frame is that, there could be someone around here that I'm supposed to witness to. Mm-hmm. And I need to make sure to do my best, even though sometimes I fail, to keep myself in a position to where I can give a testimony and I can witness to them at any moment in time. Right. Because my actions and the things that I've done uh, leading up to the interaction with them has been in a way uh, that makes the gospel uh, presentable. And that they're not going to look at me and say, I don't want to hear what you got to say. I saw what you did over there. Right. Right. And so really, that I feel like this is what Paul's telling us, that we need to be different. Yes, we need to, we don't need to act like everybody else. Um, and we don't need to do the things that the world's doing. We should be set apart and people should look at us like we're strange. Mm-hmm. And they should say, I don't understand why he didn't get mad or didn't respond back in this way. When that inquisitive uh, spirit comes up in them, the Holy Spirit will use that to say, what, what's different with them? What, what is it about them? Mm-hmm. Because I would have chewed that person out, right. but they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And that that's, can draw a person in to want to know more about, hey, what? Why? why are you doing the things you're doing? Why? Why, why do you do things different than me? Right. That's a great place to start a gospel conversation. And then the second, again, is to be ready so that at any moment in time that you can share the gospel. And I would encourage people, you know, a lot of our listeners, they probably work in different uh, different areas, different industries. And, uh, you know, everywhere you are is a mission field. And, and, and you may be working in an office and someone comes and knocks on your door and that person is always knocking on your door and you just, you, you, you really don't want to talk to them today. But you, you bring them in the office and they start telling you about, you know, some bad things that are happening in their life. That's not there for you just to listen and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I, I'm sorry for you. And then get them out of your office. That is an opportunity mm-hmm. for you to share the gospel. That's where we need to be holding fast to the word of life so that we can we can take that situation I just talked about there and say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry you're going through this tough time. I've been through tough times like that. Maybe not exactly what you're going through. But let me tell you how I got through them. Let mm-hmm. me tell you what God did for me. Right. And that's an, a perfect place to start a testimony. I think so many times that Christians get all worked up that they got to know, you know, this recipe of how to deliver the gospel message. And yes, it's, it's good to know that. But sometimes it just takes you just telling what happened to you right. is a good place to start, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, you don't have to know all the turns on the Roman road to get someone there. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely helps, but uh, you know, just just start by saying what God's doing in your your life, and that's that's part of being ready. And and so he says, be different, be ready. And if you do these two things, there's something that's going to happen. You will shine in a world that is crooked and perverse. And I thought about those two words, crooked and perverse. And I sat there, Dad, and I said, okay, let me come up with better descriptive. Uh, words for what we're living in today. I couldn't come up with it. Mm-hmm. I think that pretty much applies to the the generation that we're living in right now. Absolutely. Is crooked and perverse. 
we're living in a world where we as a society have said we want nothing to do with God. We want nothing to do with the things of God. In fact, we're going to put our finger in the nose of God and say, we don't care about you. We want you to go away. And we're going to do everything the opposite. We're living in a world where right has become wrong and wrong has become right. Mm -hmm. We're living in a world where men have exchanged themselves from women and women for men. Right. I mean, we're living in a crooked and perverse world. Mm -hmm. And Paul says that we as Christians, we can be light in that. And so, Dad, I'm burdened that, you know, now more than ever, we need Christians to be light. Mm -hmm. And and I'm just afraid that some of us are, we're too concerned about hurting someone's feelings or and, and we're not living the way that we should. So we basically put a, a, a lampshade over our light and we, we haven't been letting it shine. And, and this is the time, the time that we're in now, the way the world is and the direction that everything's heading. We need people who are willing to be light bearers and right. to let their light shine because there are people who are around us. And you may think that, no, all these, these wicked people around me, they don't want to know anything about it. I promise you, there's some folks who are looking for answers. Mm-hmm. It, they don't. It doesn't make sense to them either. You right. may think that they're involved in all this, but then deep down inside, they know it's wrong, right? And they want to figure out how do they get out of it. Mm-hmm. You can be the light that helps them get there. That's exactly right. And you can be that. And so, be different and be ready. I think those are two good practical things that uh, Paul tells us um, here that uh, that we can have. So let's move on in, in our study uh, today, and we're going to move on to the, the last set of verses here. Um, Dad, my voice is about to go out. Do you mind reading verse uh, 17 uh, through 30? You got your Bible there with you? Yeah, I got it. Paul writes, uh, starting in verse 17, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he has come close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Thank you, Dad. So as we read these verses here, my first pass across it, Dad, I looked at this and I said, now what is Paul doing? Because this seems like he's given some future plans, but we're we're only in chapter two, right? right? There's two more chapters to go in the letter. Like, I mean, it, this seems like this would be wrap up type information, uh-huh. you know, of what's going to happen here. But as I begin to study more and, and and understand the context of the verses around uh, this scripture, I begin to realize that really what Paul was doing was giving three examples of people 
who were living Christ-like lives. Mm -hmm. Because, see, he told us that we should be humble and that Christ should be our example. That's what we did in our last episode. And then he's given us this call that we need to, to live like Christ. And then I believe Paul knew that there may have been some people who were reading his letter and saying, well, you gave us Jesus as the standard. That's a high standard. Right. It's a very high standard. It is. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But Paul then gives, here are three people, humans, who are living there for God and doing the best they can. You can do it, too. Right. And so basically my point here that I have for the, this set of scripture is that it is possible to live like Christ. And, and well, let's look at these three individuals. The first one, of course, Paul says is himself. And, and there in verse 17, it says, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So Paul is, is remember, Paul's in jail. Mm -hmm. And Paul has a chance that when he goes to trial before Caesar, that it doesn't go well. Right. And not going well could mean a couple things, that he could just stay in prison, but most likely that he could be killed. That's right. right? The the Romans are the ones who came up with the cross, right? That That's mm -hmm. their tool that they used. And so he could have been crucified um, or he could have been beaten or any a number of other things um, to, to take him out. And so, but he said there that him being poured out as that sacrifice is a drink offering, he was okay with that because he was living for Christ and he knew that through the work that he was doing there, even if it meant his death, that there was going to be something that would come out of that that would benefit the church as a whole. Right. And so remember, this is the same guy who wrote in chapter one to live as, as Christ and to die as gain. Like he's all in whatever it takes for Christ, he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And so he, he then says in verse uh, 18 there, it says, for the same reason you also, and that is basically saying you can do it too, is I'm living as a living sacrifice. I'm, I'm going to put everything on the line. I'm going to put all the chips in, and what happens, happens. You can do it too. Mm -hmm. And as the result of living that type of life and serving Christ, there's joy. And, Dad, I was thinking about it as I was writing my notes here. There is joy in serving God. Right, you know, it's hard to find joy in in life. Uh, you can find happiness, but happiness is fleeting. But true joy, joy is is that internal satisfaction. It, it doesn't matter what the circumstances is. You still have this comfort, and you have this this joy inside of you. And serving God and knowing that you're doing what God's called you to do, there's joy in that. That's right. And it, it, it doesn't compare to anything else. And so Paul was saying, hey. Even if it means that I go before Caesar and Caesar rules against me and, and decides to commit, convict me in some form or fashion, there's still so much joy in what he's doing because he knew right. he was living for Christ and he was doing the work of Christ. Right. That's exactly right. The second uh, person that, that I see uh, him mention there, of course, is Timothy. And uh, as I was looking at Timothy, the couple things that stood out to me about Timothy, Dad— um, the first is that he was like-minded to Paul. I find it interesting that in verse 20 there, Paul says that I have no one like-minded. Okay, Paul's in Rome. Paul's trying to win people in Rome, and obviously he had probably converted some folks because, I mean, he was chained to Roman soldiers, and I promise you he was telling them about Christ. But he didn't have anybody that was really all in, sold out 100% there in Rome. It's kind of sad. Right. But he said, I got Timothy. 
Right. Timothy's got the same mindset I have. He's sold out for Christ. He's ready to go. He'll do whatever it takes. And so he was like-minded as, as, as Paul was. And remember that term, like-minded. We talked about that in chapter 1, right? And that is being of the same, uh, the same intent, the same direction, the same uh, theology, the same doctrine, um, and the same belief system. And so Timothy and Paul saw eye to eye on what it takes to serve Christ. The second thing that I saw about Timothy is it said that he had a proven character, mm-hmm. and so that he had obviously uh, shown himself to to be faithful and to, to be a good servant um, and, a, and a good follower of Christ. And then the last thing that I saw there there about uh, Timothy, uh, Dad, is that he calls him a son. Paul viewed Timothy as his son in Christ, uh, or son in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said that he had been a son to him there in the gospel. And I thought about a son, and I'm a son, I'm your son. Mm-hmm. And the role of a son, or the characteristics of a, of a son, is that the son's supposed to be loving toward the father. Uh, the son is to be loyal. The son's to be helpful. Right. The son's to be respectful. And so uh, by Paul saying that he had been a, a true son uh, through the gospel or of the gospel uh, meant that he had just been there for Paul through thick and thin. He was willing to do anything that he could for him. He had love, respect, uh, and loyalty for him. All things that you would want to see coming out of a life of a Christian, mm-hmm. um, those those characteristics relay closely to the fruits of the Spirit um, that are coming across there. And so Timothy was a second example. And then, Dad, the, the third example here was Epaphroditus, and the things that stood out to me here, and I know you've got some stuff on that as well, is that Paul said Epaphroditus was not just his brother, uh, not just a fellow follower of Christ, but rather uh, Epaphroditus, he referred to him as a fellow soldier, okay? A uh, fellow soldier, that's strong words right there. You know, a soldier has to be all in. Uh, a soldier has to be willing to do whatever it takes. That's what... Um, that's what the 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 um, generals and the the people who are leading the forces. That's what they ingrain and they indoctrinate into soldiers. Mm-hmm. Is that it's not about you; it's about everybody else and, and the common goal. Right. And he called him a soldier. And the reason why is Epaphroditus had risked his life to minister to Paul. And um, you know, Epaphroditus had made the the trip coming from Philippi over to Rome. That's some eight hundred miles. And and we're talking about in the day where there was no car, there was no train, there was no plane or, or automobile of any other sort. And so this was a journey that would have taken weeks, months even, uh, and it would be treacherous uh, because uh, there would be a portion of it that would be at sea. There was a risk of being shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a portion of it that would be walking across land and and in these remote areas, uh, thieves and robbers would hide out in, in, in these areas to try and overtake travelers and take all of their goods. And so it was a dangerous trip. This is not like us that can get in the car and drive 800 miles. And if we drive straight, we can probably be 800 miles and, and you know within a day's time. Uh, nothing like that. You right. know, this was a, a tough journey. And so uh, he got to, to Rome, and he was almost to the point of death. And so he had put his life on the line, and, and for that— a fellow soldier, again, he served uh, Christ, and he said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, even risk my life in making this journey. That's right. That's right. You know, to say that Epaphroditus was a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier suggests that Epaphroditus was a balanced Christian. Now, balance is very important in the Christian life. When I was a little boy, the first bike my parents bought for me was a tricycle. And after I mastered the tricycle and got too big for it, I moved up to a bike with training wheels. 
The reason I had training wheels was because I had to learn to balance myself on the bike before I could ride without them. After riding my bike with the training wheels for a while, I finally decided that I was ready to take them off and try riding without them. My first experience without the training wheels was disastrous because I fell off many times. Eventually, I got to where I could balance myself and ride the bike without falling off. Today, one sure sign of maturity for the Christian is that he is able to balance himself. Now, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Paul referred to Epaphroditus as my companion in labor, which ties him with the furtherance of the gospel. He referred to him as my fellow soldier, which means he knew how to battle for the faith of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And to say that Epaphroditus was a brother and a fellow worker and a fellow soldier suggests, like I said, that he was a balanced Christian. And so some people emphasize fellowship in the church so much that they forget the furtherance of the gospel. They're so interested in socials and coming together to eat that they don't take the time to win souls. Then others are so wrapped up in service that they don't take the time to fellowship. So folks, we need to work at being a balanced Christian in our lives. That's exactly right. And Epaphroditus obviously was a, a balanced Christian. And and so uh, that brings us really to the end of, of chapter two here. And as we get ready to wrap up this this episode, um, I want us to go back and take a look at a, at a thought here that I saw another uh, person who was writing on the subject brought out. And uh, the, the writer spoke about the difference between chapter 1, verse 21, and chapter 2, verse 21. And so in verse 221, as, as, as Dad read earlier, it says, For all seek their own. Okay, Paul was talking about, again, there in Rome, that uh, there was obviously some believers, but these believers that were there in Rome were all seeking their own. They were not fully sold out for Christ and doing the things of God. And then if we flip back to chapter 1, verse verse 21 here, it says, For me uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so as we get ready to close this podcast, I'd like to pose the question uh, to all of our listeners. You know, are you a chapter 2, verse 21 Christian? Are you just going about things looking for your own will, your own things that you're looking out to do? Or are you a chapter 121 Christian, someone who's fully sold out for Christ and is willing to do whatever it takes and put everything on the line and to, to live as Christ and to die as gain? I think that's an important question that we all need to ask, all need to think about it, is, uh, is where are we? Are we more like chapter 221 or 121? I would encourage all of our listeners to be like chapter 121. That's what we need. We need more chapter 121 Christians today in our, in our time with That's this right. crooked and perverse world that we're living in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Dad, as we get ready to wrap up here, I do want to speak quickly to those who are listening to our podcast. You may have stumbled upon us, and uh, you may not understand anything that we're talking about. You may be listening and saying, I just clicked on Bonfire because I didn't know what it was. I saw the logo. And you guys are talking about the Bible and, and, and God, and I just don't know what that is. Um, I would I would encourage you 
to, to go back and to listen to some of our previous episodes. We've got some of our very early episodes. We talk about some fun foundational things about Christianity, about what it means to accept Jesus Christ and to be a Christian. So I'd ask you to go back and to watch some of those and, and to stay with us, to search through all of our content. Maybe you'll find something that, that speaks to you. But I do want to leave you with this, is that you will not find any greater joy in life than being a Christian. The world will try and tell you that you can find uh, joy and uh, success in your career, in your uh, in your, your 401k. Uh, the society will tell you that you can find it in material goods and that you can you can build enough things in order to, to have true joy. But it's a lie. And I think if you're listening, you probably have, have already figured that out. It doesn't take long getting into life to, that you can understand that everything the world promised you actually is not what it is in the end. And if you want to have true joy, that true joy is only found in a relationship with Christ. It is so good to know, for me to know, that I know the creator of the world, the one who spoke me into existence, and that I am right with my creator. And I know God, and I have a one-on-one relationship with God. And when you can get to that position, man, there's so much joy in it. Uh, every day is a great day. Yeah, there's going to be bad times. There's going to be terrible things that happen, and the world is the world is still going to go on. Uh, but there's so much satisfaction knowing that you are right with your your Creator, and that He is is with you, and you are with Him. You're abiding together, and uh, I just encourage you if you're listening and you're not saved, you're not a Christian, uh, that you would uh, consider. Um, accepting Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior. And again, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to some more of our content. We've got plenty of things that will help you get there. If you would, um, if you want to talk to us directly, we'd love to do that as well. You can send us an email at bonefireministries at gmail.com. We'd love to, to have that conversation with you and help you get into the Scripture and really understand what it means to be a Christian, what the process is. So, uh, Dad, I just wanted to say that to our listeners. I know we've been you know, focused in here on the book of the Bible, and that's been heavily uh, slanted toward Christians because it's a letter to the Christian church. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I, I always want to make sure that we have uh, people who are not listening uh, that are not Christians, that they understand that there is a, a better life that's out there, that's and right. it's available, it's free, the work's been done, as we already said, and that the first part of our, our lesson today, uh, there's nothing that you have to do, there's nothing that you can do in order to earn it. It's already been done. You right. just got to accept it. That's right. You know, today, uh, those folks out here in the podcast land, you're listening to us, if you feel like that You've been thinking about spiritual things, and that's that's kind of not ordinary for you because typically you don't think about spiritual things. You've happened upon this podcast. You can't get the things of God off your mind. That's like God uh, knocking on your door. Some people say, how do I know it's time to give my life to Christ, to surrender everything to God and say, God, I want you to come and live inside of me, forgive me of my sins, and you know, make a new person out of me. How do I know it's time to do that? Well, how do you know that uh, somebody's standing at your door? You hear them knock. And uh, God knocks on the door of your heart uh, through conviction. Uh, the Holy Spirit was to, sent to convict of sin, talking about your sin, your rebellion against God, uh, the need for righteousness, and the judgment that's coming. We're going to stand before God one day. You've been thinking about these things. That's out of ordinary for you. That's God knocking on the door of your heart. It's time for you to go to the door and answer the door and open the door of your heart, your inward must be, and that's what the word heart really means, not that organ that pumps blood, but open the door of your inward most being and say, God, uh, I've left you standing out there too long outside my life. I invite you to come and live inside of me through your spirit. Uh, 
change me. And and you've done everything possible uh, to save me uh, by sending Jesus. I accept what you've done. Come live in me. Change me. I want to live my life to please you, the one that's done so much for me. I hope you'll do that. That's exactly right. Well, Dad, we're done for the day. If you will, uh, pray us out of here, and we'll be back uh, next week starting in Chapter 3. Got you. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for giving Matt and I this opportunity to uh, to talk through uh, this this letter of joy, the Philippian letter. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would take these words, Lord, and use them to speak to people's hearts. Lord, there's some out there that's fallen into uh, an old bad habit of criticizing and being negative. And, and Lord, it's so easy for us to do, uh, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you would just use this as a reminder uh, to help them not lick other people's sores. And God, I pray that we'll reflect the light of Jesus as, as we talked about today as Christians. And then, Lord, for those that's lost, I pray they'll make a decision to trust in Jesus today. Lord, I hope they'll let us know. It'd be so great to hear from someone out there in the podcast audience that has made a decision for Jesus, uh, either to accept him as Lord and Savior or to just renew their commitment to him. Lord, it'd be an encouragement to us. We know we'll find out about that when we get to heaven. But Lord, uh, uh, it's just it's wonderful uh, to be able to see uh, what we've sown, see, Lord, that uh, there's a harvest from it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.